This is the Return to Embodiment, and I'm Kim Rothwell. I am offering today a conversation with Rachel Sharon that is about space and the cultivation of space, especially in the time of coronavirus. It's more concrete and provides some suggestions if people are trying to figure out how to uh, create a space in their home that is sacred or peaceful. I hope it's helpful. Welcome to the Return to Embodiment. Thank you so much for coming on to have this follow-up conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because our first one I texted you yesterday was that January 24th. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when we met before, coronavirus was kind of something happening on the other side of the world, and we certainly didn't talk about it at all. But uh, I wanted to have a conversation with you because we're going to publish again your um, the second half of our conversation. And I feel like it would be really nice to have this connection to now because it's the it's April 2nd today. So mm-hmm. a lot yeah. happened, has happened. A lot of things have happened since then. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We are just in this whole other world now that I don't think any of us could have foreseen happening. Um. Our country has been very polarized and this is me perhaps trying to look on the, find the, find the silver lining again, but it just feels like we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. We're facing something together as a people, as a world, even. Mm -hmm. As a world. Yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, very few parts of the world right now that are untouched by this. Um, yeah, this is touching everyone. Um, you know, then there's the issue of who has more access to treatment, who has access to tests, and that's an issue. But um, there, there's no one that's not being impacted by this right now. Mm-hmm. And um, there's no one that isn't going to be impacted by the permanent change that this is going to create. You know, we don't know what it is yet. We don't know what life's going to look like on the other side of this. But um there's no one that isn't going to be impacted by that. It's, I think to your point, the pace of life for many of us has been breakneck. And now the whole world is coming to almost a screeching halt. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And it's going to be really bad in a lot of ways for a lot of different industry. And it's going to be, really good in a lot of ways. And what I'm really curious about is, you know, when we come out to the other side of this and we can all go back to work and go back to our events and our socializing is how many people will say like, I'm not going to go back to working at that pace. I'm not stepping back onto the hamster wheel that I was on. I need to make some changes. I need to slow down permanently. I was really struck by this one moment where you said something about we really need to start turning inward and turning toward one another. 
Hmm. <laughs> I mean, is there anything else we can do, but at least turn inward to some level? You know, I mean, yeah, we can still use our like favorite numbing mechanisms, you know, or watch lots of TV or whatever, but there's like, it would be pretty hard to completely stay away from self-reflection right now. You know, there's gotta be some level of it happening, I think, across the board. We definitely don't have the distractions that many of us would use. Right right? The social distractions or the experiences outside of the home. Mm -hmm. Working more, going out more, yeah, going to events, especially I think in a city like we live in in Chicago, people are just like on the go all of the time, you know, which can be great. And it can also be an avoidance strategy. Um, So all that, a lot of the avoidance strategies have just been removed. Um, And it's been really interesting with my clientele, like my client load, there's a few people who I've been working with for a few years who, you know, have a lot of anxiety and are kind of naturally anxious people. And they've always worked on that in therapy. And they are saying things like, Oh, I got this. Like, this is kind of what I've been preparing for, you know, like I'm using my skills and I'm like keeping myself um, on a schedule and a routine and you know, they're struggling in the same ways of uncertainty that all of us are, but at the same time, they feel like, you know, somebody was just saying the other day, I feel bad for people who've never had to work on their anxiety right now. Because those of us that have been working on it because we've had it for a lifetime kind of know the skills to use. Yeah, some people have been training for this moment. <laughs> Whole life. I know, I've been, we've been joking. We've, like I've been laughing with some clients of like, here we are, you've been training for this. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we are, we can still turn towards one another during this time. Mm-hmm. It just is mediated by technology. Mm-hmm. These technological gifts that we have right now that mean that we're actually not entirely isolated. We can make those connections and check up on those we love and continue to do sessions, telehealth sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank goodness. Thank goodness we have all of these this, um, technological advances that allow us to do this. Because I feel like even, I don't know, a handful of years ago, telehealth, it would not have been as quick to just like jump on and switch our whole business to online. Like these platforms are relatively new, um, you know, in the last five or 10 years. So wasn't that far in the past that we wouldn't even have been able to do this. So, yeah. Are you teaching yoga right now online? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been doing two classes a week. I have a Sunday afternoon and a Wednesday night. Um, and it's been <laughs> like, like the first time I did it, I was just like, what? This is the weirdest experience because you're just, I get so much information from tuning in. I get so, I, you know, I, I feel into so much information through my system and where everybody's at and how they walk into the room and we're constantly like attuning and adjusting to what's happening. So to have none of that information available to me and to just kind of create, you know, knowing the collective experience we're in and sort of creating a sequence or a yoga practice based on 
the collective anxiety and fear. Yeah, I can do that. But it's just really weird to be in my living room teaching a yoga class to no one. <laughs> but after the first couple times, I'm starting to settle in a little bit more. Um, and a lot of the people that are joining, I, kn- I do know already. So that feels helpful. Um, and there's this cool thing in Zoom too, where you can put it on a grid view. Yes. You can see like everybody that's in the class, which is kind of a cool thing. If people want to leave their cameras on and you can put it on the grid view and kind of feel like, you know, we're all practicing together, which is kind of cool. That's great. So that's the format that you're using right now to do the yoga classes. Mm -hmm. And if somebody wanted to join you, how does that work? They can go to um, the Inner Sense website or Instagram. So like innersensehealingarts.org or um, at Inner Sense Healing Arts on Instagram. Um, <clears throat> and find the Zoom links there. And we're doing it all for donation-based. Um, and it's been kind of cool because in a way, this removes a lot of barriers for a lot of people. You know, they don't have to like hurry up and commute to the studio. They don't... Um, have to, you know, if they can't afford the lowest sliding scale rate that we offer, they can choose to give whatever they want or nothing. So in a lot of ways, it's removing barriers. Um, It's been cool because a lot of my past students from a long time ago have been jumping in that I haven't seen in years because maybe they moved or, you know, my student that lives in Spain now has been able to engage in the classes with me again. Friends and family that have always been like, I want to practice with you, but live elsewhere. So that's been really cool experience. I love that. That's so wonderful. Yeah. Some of them I'm recording and putting on, I just started a YouTube channel. Finally, after all these years, people are like, why don't you do yoga classes on YouTube? But I've got one up and I'm going to put another one up so I can send those over to you as well. Oh, great. I'm all of my perfectionist stuff is like so present right now though. Cause like, you know, there are people who do yoga on YouTube. That's like what they do and they've been doing it for years. So they, their like image is perfectly graphically designed, you know, and they've got great lighting and great sound. And I'm just like in my living room trying to figure this out. So I'm like, oh, all my perfectionists hearts are like that's not good enough don't post that don't post that to the public and I'm like you know what backseat backseat it's coronavirus time (laughs) we are the yoga we have no time for perfectionism during the time of the rona (laughs) must get the yoga to the people (laughs) absolutely yeah and I love what you're saying about accessibility Mm mm-hmm someone in Spain is doing yoga with you again, people who may have found it really challenging because of work or for whatever reason to get to your class mm-hmm. now with your YouTube channel or with the Zoom can, can get on with you and have a, have a practice. And mm-hmm. it's wonderful. Yeah. Like Sunday's class had 32 people signed into it. And like our space doesn't even hold 32 people. <laughs> So I'm like, this is where people then could have joined us in person, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So there's there's silver linings to this. For sure. Of course. Yeah. The thing we're going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also to be able to um, welcome people into my personal practice space, because I'm teaching in the same place where I practice. You know, it's where I usually get on my mat is right where it's set up, where I'm filming. 
And so that's kind of sweet to get to welcome people in. And same thing with my therapy clients. It's kind of a sweet thing to get to see into their home or to say, like, see their cat jump up, you know, on their desk. And I've heard so much about their cat and all of this, and I'm finally getting to see their cat. So there's like a sweetness to getting to connect with people in their own homes. Almost like there's a little bit more intimacy. In a way, Yeah. And then thinking about, you know, the transition out of a session or out of a yoga session where you don't have to now bundle up and go out into the jarring experience of the city and then go get on the L to go home or drive through traffic. You are already home. So being able to like take, I don't know, five or 10 minutes right after a class or right after a therapy session to still integrate the work and to, you know, maybe make a mindful cup of tea or organize a space a little bit, like do something that we had just talked about in the session. Like, okay, now go spend five or 10 minutes and like, do it. You're in your home, you know, start to like bring that energy into your space. Cause there's no disconnect right now. You don't have to go out into the world. So that's kind of cool too. Yeah. Because one of the things that you talked a lot about and drew my attention is the cultivation of space. Mm -hmm. You had that beautiful story about the client who felt like your space that you have created that has the light and um, the birds and uh, how she was feeling that space sort of within her. And now with this transition, you're able to look into their actual space and facilitate that cultivation within their own home on some level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, give some tips on how to set a space up for a, a therapy session or a yoga session that feels um, as recuperative as it might feel to walk into a studio setting or the therapy office. Um, because studios are set up in a really specific way you know they're the colors are chosen really intentionally the the light quality in the room is set up really intentionally um all to kind of help to cultivate this um sense of ease for people so uh, how can you bring that idea into your own home you know is the lighting too bright for you is lighting too dim for you um is there a way to bring in more natural light? And, and that's something even before this that I was working with my clients on is having a little space in their own home that feels really um, good for them to spend time in, even if it's like a little corner. You know? I mean, I've had different apartments where I'm literally doing yoga in a little strip of space next to a bed. <laughs> um, not the most spacious, but you can, I think that you can make whatever space you're in feel um welcoming to dropping in the more that you return to that space I think the energy sort of builds in that as well I'm kind of conditioning yourself into that space the more you drop in Mm -hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you would coach someone to cultivate space and make choices about whether it's a little corner of their room or a room that they're able to set aside or what has worked for you? What do you recommend as far as creating that space? 
I love creating space because it can be as like simple or as extra as you want it to be. It's funny because if you would see like my, what I consider my um, spaces that I feel good moving in, they're very minimalistic. Like my office is very minimalistic. Um, very kind of like clean lines. My husband, on the other hand, his, he has a room that's his office and that's his sort of sacred space and his meditation area. And it is like, so extra. It's, (laughs) It's like, there's like little, little, they're all meaningful things to him. So they're all beautiful, but they're all there. They're all up and everywhere. And so for him, that like feeds a lot of his energies to have all those things around him. And for me, I'm like very intentional with just a couple little things. Um, so I share that to say like, you can, you know, it doesn't have to look big and open and spacious. Like you would think of a yoga studio. It can have all your little favorite items that have meaning to you surrounding you. But for me personally, you know, I think that a baseline of it is, um, keeping it clean and organized, not letting it get cluttered. So although in that office, it feels to me like he's got so much stuff in there that he likes surrounding him in his meditation, it doesn't feel cluttered because it's very organized you know, everything has its place and you can tell that all of the little trinkets are very intentionally set. So I think just keeping, you know, as much stuff as you have in there organized and uncluttered and clean is a really um, key part of this. For me, I like my, I really require natural light, you know, and that can be a tough one depending on where you live and where your space is because not all spaces do have a lot of good natural light, but like for me, that is a requirement. I've spent so much time working in spaces that don't have good natural light and it just, and living in spaces without good natural light. And now that I've got good light in my office, in my home, it's like, it just makes a huge difference. So if you can be near a source of natural light, I think that that's really great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and then having, um, at least a couple of things that have some meaning to you, you know, maybe it's like a, a little, um, item that you bought on your travels or, um, a card that you pulled an Oracle card that you pulled or, um, a letter that was written to you, anything, you know, that you can set a couple of little things around at least that have meaning to you. Um, is another like key that I think of the place that I practice at is right next to my, and you can see it in my videos, my bookshelf um and so that shelf just to me like represents so much hours of study and wisdom and I feel sort of like connected to the lineage of teachers that I've studied with through the books that are represented there so um to me that feels like a really nice space to practice um you know but even if it's bringing in like one crystal or one photo that brings you into a a beautiful memory of a place that you visited before or a time that you spent with someone. Um, Any of that can make a space feel really sacred. And what you're describing is in my mind, sort of a space where you're being reminded through the books and through the, of those teachers, those wise ones Mm-hmm. formed who you are mm-hmm. yeah. it's a beautiful thing yeah absolutely yeah that's an for me that's a really important and I it doesn't have to be important to everyone you know to honor that but for me that is really important 
Um, and I also think adding some natural elements into the space, whether that is a candle to light a fire, um, whether that is, um, it can be as simple as even just a small dish of water to represent the element of water. Um, some people might be very much into <clears throat> burning herbs or Palo Santo or sage in their space or incense. Um, I'm not as much into that. Um, I have a hard time breathing in the smoke. I love the smell of it for like a second and then I'm kind of done. Um, but that's another really beautiful way to like just change the energy of a space is to light a scent that feels really beautiful to you um, and natural, like an herbal scent. I think works best rather than like a perfumed scent. Um, and then items for beautiful sound, if you would like beautiful sound. So um, we here have a big collection of different sound vibrational tools. We've got crystal singing bowls and other types of singing bowls and bells and chimes and all kinds of stuff. Um, and not that they even use that all of the time, but having it there, I feel like brings a certain vibration into the space as well, you know? And I think that's the baseline is that I look at every item as carrying its own energy and its own vibration. Um, and so what is the vibration of the space that you want to do your sacred practices in? Like, what do you want to feel like when you, meditate? What do you want to feel like when you move your body? And can you um, really mindfully bring in the items that are going to also match that energy? So this is all like so woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I get it. I, 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 what I'm hearing you say is um, empowering people to be intentional and selective yeah. about cultivating a space that feels good to them and you're not saying it has to have any of these things but so what what is it for each of us it's almost like a process of contemplation to come up with the reminders or the 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 reminders of the mentors or the influences in our life or the natural elements that we're most drawn to whether it's water or it's metal or it's wood or a plant or um and then what sounds cultivate within that that state that we want that makes a ton of sense to me mm -hmm. yeah you just um described that really beautifully in a way that feels felt like really clear you know and really grounded sometimes when I talk about this stuff I'm like because I, I like really love evidence and science <clears throat> and I'm like, I'm partially into the woo woo as well, but too much of it is for me crosses a line. I'm actually not as much into the woo. Um, but then when I hear myself talking about it, I'm like, Oh God, I so am. I sound, woo -woo. <laughs> I sound like a woo, but <laughs> and I know that there are more people that than not that cannot tolerate these kinds of discussions. And so I think that I tiptoe and I want to make it feel real and grounded and accessible, you know, rather than bring in all of your crystals and 
let them do your healing. That's not, <laughs> that's not really like the world that I live in. Um, but yet crystals are beautiful and they do carry an energy, you know, um, and they do have, if, if anything, they're stones out of the earth. And so they're an earth item to maybe bring in. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it was a stone that you had with you during a really special time in your life. And it has sort of been infused with that and you can set that in there. Um, so I think that I just, I'm always really careful on how I talk about this stuff because I, I think it can turn a lot of people off or I just want to make it tangible and realistic. Yeah. And, and I think right now we're in a time where, um, because of the stay at home orders, um, that that in Illinois began in, you know, early March, we, we don't have the chance to escape into a yoga studio where that energy has been curated for us. Mm -hmm. Right. We we're within our home spaces where, For some of us, that means a lot of tension or responsibilities or stress or pulls away from what we're describing, being able to choose what we, the state that we want to be in, the state we want to cultivate within ourselves. And, you know, and you were talking about the Netflix or the, you know, the other things that we all get pulled into, and that's, there's, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but just knowing and, and being empowered to have an option for that kind of space that we might seek outside of our home normally. Like we might seek out the yoga studio or the place of worship normally. Mm-hmm. We can't right now. You can't go to church. You can't go to a yoga studio. You can't even go like necessarily to the gym to work out. Yeah. And, you know, I think that the, the reason that the places of worship or the yoga spaces or the gyms or, you know, whatever is your personal practice um, feel the way they do also is because there's been, um, you know, hundreds or thousands of people over how many ever years walking into those spaces with the same intention and doing the same work. Right. When you walk into a big, beautiful church or a big, beautiful cathedral, there is like a feeling in the air. I'll never forget when I was in Rome. Um, and is it St. Peter's Basilica that's next to the Vatican? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. <laughs> but, you know, it was like all around the Vatican, just totally craziness, like thousands of people everywhere, wild and chaotic and And then you walk into this basilica and it's just, there were still hundreds of people in there, but like almost silent because that space had been cultivated for hundreds and hundreds of years in such a way. And so I think that as people are setting up a space in their home to turn inward within, the more that you go into that same space and do it, the more of that energy is cultivated. You know, it kind of like will train your body and your nervous system into, okay, this is my space where I sit. This is my space where I breathe. And so even stepping into the space is kind of like a symbol to the body to start to move in that direction. And then externally, you know, I think that the more that you step into that space, the more the energy of that space begins to be cultivated as these you know, coming back every day or every couple of days and continuing to help build that energy in that little corner or in that little room will also feel 
like helpful. Mm-hmm. It may it may not look like a ninety minute yoga class, right? No, no. I you know there's every once in a while I'll do a ninety minute or you know a couple hours on my yoga mat at home, but oh my gosh, I think about it more as just like these little doses, you know, that I might lay on my mat and roll around for five or ten minutes at a time. Um, a lot of days. And some days my body wants to lay and roll around on my really plushy rug on my carpet. So um, it's, you can make it wherever it needs to be. You know, you don't even have to have a yoga mat. You don't have to have a special cushion. If you do, that's cool. (laughs) Um, I, I would say too, a tip for a space is to have a few items of comfort around you so that if you want to lay back and cover up with a really nice, happy blanket or um, just a scarf or an eye pillow to put over your eyes, a cushion to sit on during meditation, like having all of those within reach, I think are really good if you have them available, but they're not necessary whatsoever. You know, Our consumeristic kind of capitalistic society has made us think that we need all of this stuff to do yoga or to meditate. And we just don't, we literally don't need anything. (laughs) You literally don't need anything, you know, but if you've got some cushy stuff that makes you feel good in your body, then have that within reach and just leave it in your space as well. Maybe, maybe the only thing you need is that um, time to turn inward. Mm -hmm. The intention too. And the intention. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think even turning inward doesn't have to be long and a big deal. It can be, again, a few minutes where I'm just going to sit and feel my breath. I always recommend these like three minute moments of mindfulness when people are first starting these sorts of practice, like when I'm working with clients, um, is that I recommend that they do three minutes, three times a day where it's the same, if they can, the same times each day, an alarm goes off on their phone, wherever they are, they just take a pause, they set a timer for three minutes, and they breathe, close their eyes, and they feel their breath expand in their ribs a little bit, and they let the tension soften a little bit, and three minutes um, goes by pretty quickly, so it's really um, doable for a, a more beginner or new person to meditation or Uh, mindfulness but you know that's all it has to be a couple minutes is such a huge reset for people's systems when you know maybe on the other side of that door there's three kids screaming and needing mommy and (laughs) and and a pile of laundry that has piled up and you know there's I think that there's always three minutes that we can pause for yeah so making it sort of a an achievable amount of time, not setting the bar so high that we feel we can't do it, but making it kind of a manageable three minutes. Your children can wait for three minutes for you to do a breathing practice to come, to turn inward, take that time, give yourself that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think three minutes is doable. And then, you know, if you've got time to stretch it, then by all means, stretch it, you know, move it to five minutes or 10 minutes or an hour or how much ever time you have. But if you can even dedicate three minutes a couple times a day, um, 
you, especially if you're new to it, you are going to feel something from that. You're going to feel something from that. Thank you so much, Rachel. Mm-hmm. So wonderful. And I think it'll be a good, um, I think it'll be good for people to hear that invitation to creating space and also um, finding three minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple times a day. Yeah. One nice intentionally placed little corner of your home and just a few minutes. It's like, it can be really simple. I even worked with, um, you know, there was a woman that I worked with that was in recovery um, and living in a kind of a halfway house situation. And she shared a room and, you know, she got really into the yoga practices, um, but was like, gosh, this is just hard because like I live in a kind of a chaotic environment. It doesn't always feel really safe. And Um, a few weeks in, she had discovered this solution that if she opened her closet door in a certain way and then moved her dresser into a certain position in her room, it just created this like little sliver of private space, just big enough for her yoga mat. And so she came in one day, like all excited, you know, that she had found a little sliver for her yoga mat. And, um, she'd gone to the library and printed out a bunch of different yoga sequences that she was working on. And it was just like a really sweet reminder that even someone who's in a circumstance that isn't, um, you know, a a really safe and quiet and peaceful private home put in the effort and made herself a space where she was still getting to connect. Mm, It's beautiful. A great story. Thank you so much, Rachel. You're welcome. It's always so wonderful to talk to you. Thank you to Rachel Sharon for bringing me into her space that is peaceful and full of light. For more information about Rachel, you can go to somawisechicago.com, innersensehealingarts.org, or discoverbreathe.com. Thank you to the Embodied Education Institute of Chicago for supporting this podcast. Thank you to Josie Rothwell for the opening music and Erin Kate Dunnick for the closing music. And thank you to our listener. I'm Kim Rothwell and I'm welcoming you to the return to embodiment. For a past day.